Freddy's home. You want to know who Fred Krueger was? He was a filthy child murderer who killed at least 20 kids in the neighborhood. He wears a dirty brown hat. He's horribly burned. He has razors on his right hand. The bastard son of a hundred maniacs. They burned him to death in his boiler room. And they hid the remains. But he can't get you now. He's dead, honey, because mommy killed him. When I was alive, I might have been a little naughty. But after they killed me, I became something much, much worse. This is now playing's A Nightmare in Elm Street retrospective series. Welcome to Freddy 101. Hosted by Arnie, Stuart, and Brock. Twisted, lonely souls. The worst of the criminally insane. We got special work to do here, you and me. We will be reviewing all Freddy's films from Wes Craven's original through 2010's hotly anticipated remake. Who is that? But beware. These discussions will be spoiler-filled and may contain harsh language. Listener discretion is advised. You can find new episodes of this series released every week at nowplayingpodcast.com. Today we're talking about Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, starring Lisa Zane, Sean Greenblatt, Leslie Dean, Ricky Dean Logan, Brecken Meyer, Yepet Koto, and Robert Englund, directed by Rachel Talele Talladay. This is Brock, co-host of Now Playing. And I'm Stuart in L.A. LA. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Rachel Talalay, but... <laughs> All right. Yeah. This is Arnie, and... In the very first podcast, Stuart said that there were some stories about me outing myself, and I think it's time that I come out of the Freddy closet. Mm. Part six was when I was able to drive. I had a little bit of freedom and a lot of Freddy fandom. I mentioned how I was driving my stick shift with the Freddy glove. That was around this time. And my God, do I have an embarrassing tale to tell about seeing this movie in theaters for the third time. Third time. <laughs> As if that weren't red-faced enough. <laughs> Is that the funny story? Third time? Wow. Wait for it. <laughs> sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Please, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, sorry. It was the very last showing on a Thursday night, and I decided to catch it in theaters one more time so I could see the 3D effects, which I knew wouldn't be on the home video release of VHS, at least. We'll, we'll get to that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of heard, I guess, of people costuming to go see a movie. I had picked up a Freddy outfit. It was thankfully nearing Halloween, and I got the Freddy sweater, which was gray and red because I guess they couldn't make green yarn cheaply. And I had the mask and the glove and the hat, and the hat was foam rubber. And I, I should measure about the mask. I once tried to scare Stuart with the mask and succeeded because he said it looked more like Dan Aykroyd in Nothing But Trouble than it did Freddy <laughs> Krueger. It wasn't exactly a quality mask. It was bad. I'm not going to do this with people around, mind you. So I get a bag, I throw the mask and everything in, and I go into the theater, and I wait. And of course, I'm the only person in the whole theater, which is what I expected. It was the last showing on a Thursday night. So I wait for the movie to start, and then I pull out the Freddy glove and mask and hat and put it all on. Start watching the movie. <laughs> 
Got five minutes into the movie, in come four people. (laughs) (laughs) They take the first seats, but slowly they realize as their eyes adjust to the light that I'm wearing a hat. Can you imagine, like, you go in to watch Nightmare on Elm Street and there's only one person in there and it's Freddy Krueger? Like, oh my God. Oh my God. And I don't know who was more embarrassed at this point. They, like, were, I think, a little scared of me, and perhaps mm-hmm. rightfully so, because one of them actually sprinted down the aisle just to check to make sure, yes, indeed, that is a Freddy mask, and then ran back as fast as he could. And I was too embarrassed, meanwhile, to actually take the shit off, lest they know who I am. Yeah, how could you at that point? <laughs> you're you're so you're bought and sold. You have to be Freddy at this point. You committed. Yeah. So you just hope you don't have to use the knives. <laughs> <laughs> so I sit there in this whole movie in this hot latex mask, breathing through these straw hole nostrils, and I even have to put the 3D glasses on over the mask. So, yes, that is my big reveal of Freddy fandom is I costumed alone at a showing of this movie. If I had gone to that show, if that was me, one of those four people, and I saw Freddy Krueger sitting there by themselves, I might think I actually might turn around and go. They they talked about it. They did talk about it. I think that was the discussion about, like, they were scared that you were going to go do something, and they didn't know whether they should head it off at the pass or should get out of Dodge. But, yes, there was a conversation about what to do with me. You can't fuck with Freddy Krueger. And I mean, I'll tell a little side story of my own. If you ever go to L.A., and I I certainly advise the trip, I'm not so high on the actual walk of fame. I think people think that's ground zero for what they must tour and see, and they don't realize that it's actually a slum and that it's populated (laughs) by dirty people, probably homeless, who dress up as characters to get money from you. There's a whole movie about it, Confessions of a Superhero. No, but there was an incident about two years ago where someone did Freddy. There's always a Freddy down there. You you can't go and not see Freddy. And I guess, you know, when you stand next to Freddy and get your picture taken of them, it doesn't end there. They expect money. They expect a kickback. And I guess this family didn't want to shell out. And Freddy had a custom-made glove that was full <gasps> of real knives and sent the father to the hospital. Apparently, he gutted him. And oh so God. when I go down to Hollywood and I see Freddy hanging outside the Chinese theater, I'll walk a large circle to avoid nearing any contact with him. I don't know if it's the Freddy. I don't know what happened to that Freddy. I, hopefully, he's in jail. But You're not ready for that Freddy. <laughs> you don't mess with Freddy Krueger ever. So I can't blame those kids. If I went into a theater and saw Freddy Krueger's sitting there, I wouldn't mess with you either, even though I'd be tempted. I have a lot of friends now who go to Star Wars movies in costume. You know? But they take the masks (laughs) off when the show starts, don't they? Not always, no. Wow. And there's something about doing it in groups, you know? If Which is why I should have taken Friends. If you go with this group, it's Rocky Horror Picture Show. If you go just as Freddy and it's by yourself, it's just a horror picture show. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, yes, this is uh, the... 
height of my Freddy fandom. You know, you talk about this being the height of your fandom. This is the one that I did not go see. This is the first one I didn't rent after it came out on video. I was over it. I was kind of over horror at this point. I I was burned so much by the last movie when I saw it. I had no interest in Freddy Krueger anymore. And I didn't see this movie until you and I did the marathon, what was that, about six or seven years ago? About ten, but I wasn't wearing a mask. I didn't remember this one very well, so I was curious to come and see it again because it isn't a part of my nostalgia. Unlike part one through five, there's always a part of that, no matter how I felt about the movie, that's rooted to my childhood. So, of course, I think of it a certain way. But this one, there's some adult distance with it. I don't associate it with the rest of the Nightmare series. It feels like uh, aberration to me. Why don't we start with a plot summary and then get right into the movie? Arnie? It's 10 years from now. According to the timeline I read, 10 years from now actually means 1999 when you reconcile all the other movies together. So we'll talk about that. But it's 10 years from now and we start with, even though it's 10 years from now, a graphic that looks straight out of War Games Mm. of the United States talking about how Springwood, Ohio... All the children are dead from suicide or murder, and the parents have gone insane. And we then meet the last surviving teenager of Springwood, whose name we never find out, and so he is referred to in the movie as John Doe. And Freddy is actually trying to get him out of town. Freddy has a limit to his power, geography. He can't leave Springwood. So he sends John Doe out into the wild to bring back more people, specifically Freddy Krueger's child. It's a little bit of a mystery who the child is. John Doe ends up at a juvenile detention center run by Maggie, played by Lisa Zane, and Maggie was Freddy's daughter. She takes John Doe back to Springwood, where everybody has gone insane. Freddy is able to kill John Doe's stowaway friends, Carlos and Spencer. And through Maggie, Freddy can leave Springwood and start killing kids across the world, I suppose. Freddy's gone global at this point. He actually doesn't succeed in killing anyone outside Springwood. But Lisa Zane, Yafit Kodo, and Tracy, I don't know that actress's name, team up to bring Freddy into the real world and kill him once and for all. In a spectacular 3D sequence that involves flashbacks throughout Freddy's life as Maggie travels into his memory. Again, as always, we'll be talking about this in more detail as we go. But we open on a really bad note. It's that first dream of John Doe. He's in an airplane. It was a really weird opening scene. I was wondering why they would open it with this scene. Because I don't remember them being on a plane before. And the the possibilities of a nightmare on a plane are extraordinary. There could be snakes. Yeah. <laughs> and I was Our hoping gremlins on the wing. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this movie started in entirely the wrong place. This is the first Nightmare on Elm Street movie to be constructed as a mystery. Am I correct in saying that? There's a well, I suppose the first one was a mystery about who Fred Krueger is. This is the second one to have that air of mystery where we really don't know what's going on. How much more effective would it have been if we started by the side of the road with this John Doe character waking up with blood on his forehead and wandering away? 
if we didn't know anything about the dream, which telegraphs way too much information, that would have been a much cooler way to go. Yeah, but I think there's a pattern. Every nightmare film starts with a nightmare. They wanted to keep this director, Rachel Talele, Talele, whatever, had been with Nightmare from the very beginning. This was kind of like her final reward for being loyal to the series was her directorial debut. So she has all of that lore behind her. So I think she'd want to keep to the pattern there. And also, I don't think by part six, especially after part four, now nobody really saw part five, so we can ignore that. But after part four, people again want the Freddy show. They don't want to spend the first half an hour being introduced to a bunch of kids at a juvenile detention center and having no Freddy. Yeah, but do you want Freddy doing riffs on Wizard of Oz? All right, well, now you're splitting hairs here. No, <laughs> that is terrible. It is yes. absolutely terrible. Even when when I saw this for the first time in 91, I'm like, oh my god, please, oh no. He didn't just say, I'll get you my pretty and your little soul too. No, no, oh god, no. The inspiration appears to be Looney Tunes. There's a slapstick yep. comedy cartoonishness to the way that the stream plays out that no other dream I've ever seen in a nightmare film plays. It's just way too broad and too weird. I agree that the whole opening sequence did seem like a big old cartoon. They also had, when he was running through the, the grounds, they had the music that sounded like a night on Bald Mountain. And it is used in cartoons. and It was completely out of place. It didn't really get me frightened for this guy because it seemed like it was so cartoony. Didn't they give up being frightening with part four or even the second half of part three? Didn't they just throw scary out the window? No, <laughs> but they really tried to back in part five. I, they a really failed did. attempt. But I really yeah. felt like they were mining those Exorcist, Rosemary's Baby kind of horror movies. And this is a total rejection of that and the admission that Freddy Krueger is a cartoon character at this point. This character, as we've been talking about throughout this whole series, has the potential of being a fantastically scary, scary character. And when he is at his best, to me, he really is frightening. But we haven't seen a lot of that, and it's really disappointing because the concepts here in these series is fantastic. So to have it come here in this opening scene and end with the guy running through a fake backdrop, whatever, and into the daylight with a, with a cartoon cutout of himself, I could not believe what I was watching. Like, this is a Freddy Krueger movie. This is a horror character. It's kind of like when you have Police Academy being an R-rated movie to start, and by the time it has three or four sequels... It's completely watered down. Now, but His just, audience was kids at this point. I mean, it exactly. was kids that liked Freddy Krueger, probably more than adults. And so why not make references to things that kids know, like Looney Tunes? You know what? You guys are both right. I'm, I'm a little too forgiving. Just because this is what Freddy had become by part six doesn't mean this is what Freddy should have become. And each new filmmaker had a chance to take Freddy back to his roots and... This filmmaker, Talele, instead of trying to be brave and bold and do something new, just embraced the kitsch. I mean, it's not a, totally a bad way to go. If you wanted to make it about Freddy and his demise and all of that, I don't know that you could make it scary. But the humor, the attempts at humor, I should say, are entirely too broad for my personal taste. I felt like Freddy was both menacing and scary in part three. The balance is absolutely right. Although he'll get in a groan-inducing pun, it'll be in such a weird head-tripping way that you really can go with it. Here, every time Freddy tells a joke, it takes you out. It makes you feel that the movie is dated. 
I mean, it's really rooted. They say this movie is taking place in what, 1999? Well, I think it was 2001 when it came out, but yeah. But this is clearly the early 90s. I mean, right down to the kid with the ponytail and the Goo Goo Dolls soundtrack. I mean, everything about it is so 90s that it's ridiculous for anything other than it being a very dated timepiece with Freddie making satirical, I use that word lightly, jokes about the times. And we find out that, yes, uh, Freddie is confined to Springwood. This movie attempts to explain Freddie. It's as much a Freddie origin story as it is a Freddie death. It always bugged me, though, that he was trapped in Springwood. There doesn't seem to be a logical reason for it. I was hoping you could point out something that I missed about that. Why would that be the case? Yeah, I don't know. We find out throughout the course of this movie, the reason Freddy is alive is because there are some dream demons that look like poorly animated spermatozoa. (laughs) And these demons inhabit Freddy, so Freddy becomes the dream stalker. But yeah, it's kind of a lazy explanation, isn't it? We don't know where the spermatozoa come from. Uh, They came from Sid and Marty Croft. I mean, they look totally like (laughs) Sleestacks from Land of the Lost to me. But not to mention in the juvenile detention center, early on, we're introduced to the therapist Maggie. She's talking to Yafet Kodo, who's sort of the sage guy. He just happened to have a new poster in which these snake-like dream demons are swirling around a gateway and says – rather conveniently what they are and what they're about. That's where you get all the backstory. But why would these dream demons who have the power to give eternal life not be able to let you leave town? <laughs> it could have been worse, though. We could have, he could go to Manhattan on a boat. You know what I mean? So maybe we should be happy that he stays in Springwood. Does it really matter where Freddy is if it's a good Freddy story? No, but if you're making the whole plot of the story, Freddy wants to leave town, then yes, it matters. <laughs> I got to pack my extra sweater, my extra glove, my extra hat. I'm all packed to leave. (laughs) All right. So we get to the detention center and we get introduced to our three kids, Carlos, and he's deaf. We get Tracy, who is emotionally violent, and we get Spencer, who is a stoner. Don't forget that Spencer is also a bomb maker, a pipe bomb maker. That is true. Conveniently dropped. They also mention, gosh, when are they going to police going to come pick up these weapons? You don't put a pipe bomb in the first act without blowing shit up in the third act. 10-4. <laughs> Fair enough. The The whole place is a little weird. Obviously, the center is a throwback to part three with the idea that these are troubled kids that are come together. But part three, I understood why they were all there. They were all on suicide watch. They were all having disturbing dreams. Why are these kids there? You have this Spencer whose dad is rich and just basically is treating it like a rehab center for him. You've got other ones that are homeless and have nowhere to go. So they're taken there. I guess Tracy and Carlos were just taken out of abusive homes. It's really hard to know what the theme is here. Yeah, it is vague. That said, I like these kids. I think they're some of the more interesting characters, if not some of the better actors that we've had in a few movies. But I like that it's such a disparate group of kids. And yes, this is a way to bring three complete stereotypes together. But I like them. (laughs) Sure, I agree with you. They are more likable, particularly Tracy. We're going to talk about why later. And Brecken Meyer is a name. He actually ended up going on to be in Clueless and a couple other movies, 54. I don't know. Garfield. 
Garfield. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, right. I agree. I thought these three characters were actually interesting, and I enjoyed getting to know them throughout the movie. I didn't so much care for the counselors Maggie and Doc. Doc is Yafik Kodo. And I didn't care for John Doe, really. How could you? He's John Doe. He's completely blank. He has nothing to him other than he can't remember who he is. Although, I'll tell you, I used to, in my own mind, retcon this to he was Jacob from the last movie. Why uh, isn't well, he Jacob from the last that movie? Is, you're now bringing up a sticking point with me. This movie is set up like a mystery. We're introduced to a character who doesn't know his own identity. He's an amnesiac who has nightmares about Springwood in which he keeps trying to leave. And we never find out who he really is. We're led to believe as he proceeds back to Springwood on the field trip that he is Freddy's son. But I'm going to go ahead and spoil the surprise. He's not Freddy's son. We don't know who he is. Why? How hard would it have been just to make it Alice's kid? In an original draft for this movie, one of the early scripts did focus around having Jacob, but perhaps they just didn't want to draw back to five because five was a flop. It did really badly. And, you know, unlike when they killed Jason in part four of Friday the 13th, they had no real intent of keeping Jason or the franchise dead. I think here they really believed this was the end of the series and they tried to perhaps just not reference anything about five, which would would have been what killed killed the series. I almost agree with you, but I'm going to say this. I think they were putting Freddy to bed. I don't think they were ending the series. You know, we're led to believe that John or Tracy might be Freddy's kid, but does anyone realize Freddy's kid has to be, you know, pretty old and can't be a teenager? If they don't realize it right away, it's actually explicitly told to us. Once they get to Springwood, we find out all the townspeople, the parents and teachers and what have not, are still in this pathetic dance of throwing carnivals and teaching classrooms with no one there, running an orphanage that's empty, talking to imaginary children that are dead and gone. And the teacher actually walks us through and said that Freddy's kid was taken away in 1966. Now, if this is... 2001, there's no way mathematically that any of these people could be. I wouldn't even say Maggie could be it because she does not look like she's in her 40s. That's true. I I figured that out, too. So already (laughs) they're even fudging it because Maggie is too young to be playing this character as well. But that would really be giving it away if you had a woman in her 40s. They want to keep some kind of mystery, and I like the intent of it. I like the fact that they are trying to create a town full of mysteries. I think it would be better served if the Red Herrings could plausibly be Freddy's children. Well, the only reason I could think of that they wouldn't do that is they always have to have teenagers in order to make it relatable to the demographic. So we get to see John at the halfway house, and and then John has a nightmare. How can he have a nightmare outside of Springwood? That involves Freddy? I don't know. They're Again, they're fudging their own rules here. But more irritating than that, for a, a movie premise that it predicates on dreams and the surreal subconscious quality of them, they're always so painfully literal. He walks into a padded cell and he sees himself in a straitjacket covered in blood going, I'm your inner memories. Save me. I mean, could you be more painfully literal? They have not done a particularly good job of streamlining the screenplay and making it all make sense. They did a very good job of trying to call back and bring in all the elements that people loved, but not such a great job of explaining it all away. And if you remember my beef with with Friday the 13th, part nine, they attempt to give all sorts of convoluted 
mystical takes on why Jason can live and, and the monsters that really drive him. They're doing the exact same thing here. Freddy is not really evil. It's these snakes from Sid and Marty Croft that flew into his head when he burned. Come on. I mean, is this not the equivalent of Star Wars in the forces, the midichlorians or whatever that garbage was? I mean, you guys tell me. This <laughs> is explaining too much, yes? I mean... It's just not satisfying. Without going into Star Wars, yes, I agree that this and Friday the 13th Part 9 have a lot in common. A lot. And, of course, this movie came first, so... I'm not saying that they are ripping it off. I'm just saying they're falling into the same traps that Friday the 13th eventually did, which is that in an attempt to explain all of the various tangents that they never did along the way, they made a very convoluted borderline silly entry. Well, what's funny is I always thought Friday the 13th part nine actually looked at this as a template because, you know, they end with the Freddy glove. So I kind of thought they were just trying to do to Jason the same thing they did to Freddy so that they'd get him into the same rink. Mm, they might have been. This one was successful financially. And I also think that Jason did it one step better because Jason had the Necronomicon from the Evil Dead. If Freddy, you know, was reading the Necronomicon, I'd be a lot happier than some flying sperm. <laughs> so they take the field trip back to Springwood. It was supposed to just be Maggie and John Doe. But in the back, Tracy, Carlos, and Spencer were planning on stealing the van and breaking out of the detention center. And so they are taken to Springwood as well. And they end up at this carnival. And first of all, here's my proof it's not 1999. One of the characters says, this is right out of Twin Peaks. I think in 1999, <laughs> the only people who remember Twin Peaks are Stuart, me, and David Lynch. <laughs> that movie or that show is beloved. I wouldn't quite say that, but clearly people have moved on to Northern Exposure and X-Files. And that wouldn't be the only frame of reference for a weird little town. But it is obviously a big reference point for the filmmakers here. They wanted to capitalize on a town that was full of mysteries and creepy. And they wanted to make Freddy like this phantom character that they had in Twin Peaks. All very good in intention. I question the execution of it. Talele is no lynch. And then we get our first of many cameos. Mm. I don't like Roseanne Barr on a good day. <laughs> this was not a good day. This no. was perhaps the same day she sang the national anthem. <laughs> here's my, and Tom here's my... Arnold, I like him even less. And I like Tom Arnold in True Lies. I completely agree with you there. Tom Arnold was really great in True Lies. but And he's in a mullet. <laughs> they are the worst actors I here's the problem it's all about tone and, it, and that all falls on the director if you had played this a little bit more straight I'm sure Roseanne and Tom wouldn't have been asked to do what they did and they wouldn't have played it that way but because they're trying so hard to be weird self-consciously weird and create these broad broad weird mysteries they just overdo it. I mean, it would have been much more haunting if they weren't trying to make it funny. And Roseanne is – she's a grieving mother who lost her children and is very excited to see Carlos and the others and wanting to adopt them right there. You could play that for sad, but Rachel Talele seems to think that Looney Tunes – is the way to go in all of these scenes. 
And when you watch someone that's really skilled at combining comedy and horror, like David Lynch, is that it can turn on a dime, and one minute you can be laughing uncomfortably, and the next minute you can be totally creeped out and weirded out. And I think that this moment should have been a weirded out, sad moment. All these people are grieving parents who had their children taken from them, and they're still perpetuating the idea that they can throw carnivals and teach schools. All of that could be scary, pathetic. And instead, it's just another broad joke. And roaches climbing on peach cobbler. It's just all too, too much for my taste. The counselor does what, of course, a good counselor would do and gives the three teen delinquents the van and tells them to drive home. (laughs) Yes, I love that. Made so much sense. These kids stowed away in the van to get away from the center. Here, go take the van and go back to the center. Yeah, it makes plenty of sense. Of course. Sure. And don't make any more pipe bombs. (laughs) Not to mention, how are they going to get back once they've figured out all the mysteries? Hitchhike? Fortunately, Freddy gets them in a loop, much like he did Alice and Dan in part four, and they are not able to go any further than when they started from. So here's the weird part. Once they finally give up trying to get out of town, they're like, well, let's just break into a house and ha 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 the wrapping on the house falls away after they go inside and it's the Elm Street house except none of those people know what the Elm Street house is anyway so why the pretense? Because they wouldn't have gone into the haunted house Really? If I'm going to break into a house if there's a piece of shit house and a nice house which one's going to have the plasma TV? (laughs) (laughs) Well this one didn't have the plasma TV either it had a broken TV It had dust on the bed that he hit and hit and hit and it came up And he slept on it anyway. (laughs) And we get finally a dead, probably halfway into this movie at this point. It's a short movie. Yeah, it's surprising how long it takes for them to get there. But because it's a mystery and because they still give us a lot of special effects shots, you're not feeling like this one's holding out on you. And the first one to die is, of course, Carlos. Okay, I I got a little beef with Carlos. Apparently, he loses his hearing because his mom hits him. Because they make a big production both times that he has his hearing aid pulled off of the one ear. He can't hear anything. They they cut all sound out, and you just hear people mouthing at him. But yes, I think it's because his mother stuck things in his ears. I've complained in the past that I didn't like the fact that Nightmare always lays the blame on parents. This is the first chapter where I actually felt like that was a theme that really worked. All the characters here are struggling because they didn't know their father. And, you know, that's because they're building a mystery here where maybe Freddy is one of their fathers. It all kind of works here. I, The mom being the one that deafened him, it would make more sense if she had actually beat him on the other ear as well. But it does play in so nicely with the fact that these kids have been abused. And that is sort of what links them all together. Then Freddy, of course, pulls out a big Q-tip and, you know, you think that this would be his death scene, right? That they jam the whole thing to his head and that would be what kills him. Freddy really keeps fucking with Carlos. He keeps <laughs> again and again and again to Carlos. He really has something out for the hearing impaired. I don't get it, Freddy. Freddy robs Carlos of his entire hearing. And then you get the scene and I just, I don't know, it makes me giddy where Carlos is walking around all scared and deaf and <laughs> That sounded terrible. (laughs) And Freddy is like jumping behind him, waving his arms and obviously shouting. And you don't hear a word of it. And I just absolutely love it. It just it's hysterical. I have to say I loved this death. I like that all he heard was his own heartbeat, quote unquote, on the the soundtrack. I thought it was something we hadn't seen before in a nightmare movie that they played with the sound 
Absolutely. Oh, he's not done with them yet, though. I mean, when he finally gives him back the hearing aid, and it turns into like a Freddy aid, where like it grows talons and sticks in his face, and he can't get it off. It actually looks a lot like a face hugger from Alien. But now the joke is he can hear everything magnified. So a dripping faucet from you know way down in the boiler room now is just rattling him to the point that he he feels like it could kill him and then freddy's dropping pins you know first it's one pin and the sound of a pin dropping could well i don't know what is the impact of something that's too loud you'll blow up i mean that's what they get at it's a little weird that's what they do here but i think it's just it would deafen you (laughs) yeah very scanner style he pulls out a chalkboard and starts to like do a rock band pose while scratching the Chalkboard, and I gotta say, on my surround sound, I had to turn the volume down or my head was going to explode scanner style because that was really hurting. I thought it was a really great idea to use his fingernails on a chalkboard as the final thing. I thought that was really smart. You know, I love this whole actual death, even though it's a little silly. But there's one point where he takes it too far. It's the only time in all the movies that I can think of. Well, he does it once again in Freddy vs. Jason. But here... Freddy breaks the fourth wall. It's just very quick, but he looks at the audience and puts the glove up to his finger to go, shh. Oh, I didn't pick up on that. I didn't realize that he was talking to me. Yeah, he was telling you to be quiet. Oh, Oh. hilarious. Yeah, that was was just (laughs) the one step too far with it. It was like, oh boy, Freddy knows we're watching. And meanwhile, we get a lot of exposition while John and Maggie go on a Scooby-Doo adventure (laughs) Trying to unravel the mystery of Freddy. First to the school, which is an entertaining scene. At least if they're going to do needless exposition, I think they do it in a funny way with these crazy characters. They have the crazy school teacher in, what was it, that happened to Freddy in 1492? He sailed the ocean blue? I'm not sure. (laughs) I do know that he put Nagasaki and Hiroshima up there on the board. That was all... A very strange conspiracy that he's putting <laughs> forth there involving Columbus and uh, the H-bomb, but whatever. And I, I got to say, this this teacher really kind of haunted me when I was watching this. And by that actor's face and his bug eyes teaching this lesson to nobody. Mm-hmm. What a great idea. I he's kind really- of Christopher Lloyd, don't you think? I mean, he's playing it that broad. I'm like, Marty, <laughs> Marty. <laughs> and then they go to the orphanage. And there's where they really tip their hat, the fact that this woman, Maggie, is the real progeny of Freddy. And that, is anyone confused at this point? I got to know, Brock, you had to know at this point she was Freddy's kid, right? Yes, I figured it out by then. It's way too early, and it's too bad, because if they had really made us believe that John Doe was the kid and then pulled the rug out from under us, what a wonderful surprise that would have been. But there's just been too many early tippings of the hat. There's just tactically too many obvious moments in the beginning. Well, Stuart, you said it before that they're making a kiddie version of a Freddy movie. They're making this for kids. Saturday morning, Freddy, yeah. Freddy Krueger's Playhouse. So (laughs) do you think that they made it so obvious so the kids would get it? Uh Uh-huh. I feel like, yeah, they test demoed this for the 9 to 15-year-olds. At least I was only 16 when I went and saw it. So I wasn't too outside the demo. But I have to say that when I first saw this, I went in spoiler free. And I knew the moment we were introduced to Maggie that it was her. Because I knew it wasn't Yafit Kodo. 
<laughs> it would have been funnier if it was, though. <laughs> it would have been more shocking, for sure. But it would it introduce the same problem, which is that in what way would this totally tortured, demented, unfunctional person ever pull it together enough to get married and have a child and live in suburbia? Hold that. Well, let's get to that when we do his flashbacks. Fair enough. But for now, we can all agree we're 10 steps ahead of this movie, and they're still taunting us with, there's a kid, but who could it be? Tracy goes and gets them because Spencer's having a nightmare, and we get our next cameo because Spencer's watching TV. He's stoned on weed, although he acts like he's taken acid. Weed doesn't do that to you. You don't start (laughs) seeing funny colors for weed. Now, you take a little acid, and yeah. (laughs) Bring back one of... The biggest stars of Nightmare on Elm Street, Johnny Depp. Yeah, it's kind of a funny cameo. I mean, they do a, a play on the old 80s don't use drugs commercial. I'm sure you guys all remember this with the egg in the frying pan. Well, Freddie tells you what he thinks of that by taking the frying pan and, and laying Depp out. This is around Depp's 21 Jump Street days and Depp saying don't do drugs. Mm, I hadn't put that together, oh, but you're right. Yeah, that was right. sort of his image. He wasn't Johnny Depp movie star yet, for sure. But he was bigger than this. He was. Yes, it, he didn't have to do this. <laughs> it was sort of a weird favor that they called in. And yeah, exactly. It's just it was like, a testament exactly. to Johnny Depp's spiritedness that you know he's not embarrassed about his roots. He knows this was his screen debut, and he can laugh along with and, it. And I always like to just think of it as it's not even Johnny Depp. It's that character from the first movie. Freddy's kept him around to bring out from Nightmare to Nightmare. Right. They established that the TV set is a way that all the children can see out into the world, that their souls are somehow behind that broken TV glass. And and later, Carlos actually joins them. Unfortunately, while you get a Johnny Depp cameo, I, th- I think they could have done more with it. Even if you only had him for a couple hours, I think you could have done more than a this is your brain on drugs. And Freddy's follow-up line is just, it's not funny. It's not even a groaner. It's, what are you on? Looks like a frying pan and some eggs to me. It's like, really? That, that, that's not even, what, that's not even clever. That's just literal. Yeah, Freddy's <laughs> joke writer needed to be fired in this movie. I gotta say. I think he's working for Leno now. <laughs> You know, I I would hope that even Leno has a, a higher standard than this. And you'd be wrong. Go Team Coco. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not willing to get in that debate. I watched Jon Stewart. But I will say this. I have to say the jokes in this one are the worst of the whole series so far. His comic timing, the things that he says, the one-liners – just absolutely the pits. And I think that part of it is we'll laugh along with it even when it's not funny if it's a suspenseful scenario. But these things are so goofy, <laughs> it's almost like they w- it's written as a comedy. And if you want me to think this is a good comedy, you got another thing coming. Every so often it works. I liked Oh, Carlos, Lend Me Your Ear. I want to know when Freddie was reading Shakespeare in between all his debauchery. But I found that funny. Whereas you're <laughs> on a frying pan and some eggs – What the fuck is that? It bugs me it's so bad. What about the power glove? I guess we're getting there. (laughs) Spencer is pulled into a Peter Max yellow submarine style trippy cartoon that turns into a Mario Brothers. This is supposed to be 1999 to 2001. Video games of that time, Resident Evil, everything was 3D, polygons. No, this is an old sprite based, it looks like Nintendo game. He was playing a handheld Ninja Gaiden, for that matter. He was old school. <laughs> yeah, even no then. kidding. 
you know, this movie had, in my opinion, the best special effects we've seen so far. It obviously had a budget. Perhaps some of it was a Nintendo subsidy as he even drops the line, now I'm playing with power. <laughs> the power yeah. glove. Yes, the and then the glove. power glove line. Again, proving it's not 1999. <laughs> That's what I mean about this movie being trapped in references that feel very much of that moment. If they had even made this movie two years later, they wouldn't have dared to make some of these jokes because it would have already passed. The power glove was played out after the wizard with Fred Savage. Oh yeah. That was, you know, two years before this. Yeah, it was awful. But the the point of it was is that Freddy has a glove and his demographic he's playing to plays video games. So of course they're gonna get the joke. Anybody well, Freddy- over the age of 20 is going, huh? <laughs> right. As Spencer is being puppeted around, he's literally boinging up and down, hitting his head on the ceiling like a video game character in the house. That's what ruins the effect for me. If he had been laying there on the couch dreaming and going through all of this, I could buy it. But actually seeing him acting and moving like Mario... I just thought this death is not working for me. The reason I liked it is Breckenmeyer was so game. I love his video game walk with the pumping arms and things. It was just so right out of Double Dragon. Yeah. yeah he sold he it. Fine. Yeah, he did sell it. But I'm with Stuart 100% on this one. Here's the other thing. I wish that the video game had turned scary. Like, it's okay to emulate Mario and he's facing off with his old dad and all of that stuff was worked. But wouldn't it have been better if the game got creepy? All of a sudden, it was like Mario gone to hell and Freddy was actually killing people. There was blood because you never saw blood in video games. I mean, it just it wasn't played right. How about they do a video game tie-in where Spencer's in the Nightmare on Elm Street game for the nest fighting ghost freddy and flying gloves because even they realized that that wouldn't fly it's a horrible <laughs> game <laughs> all i'm saying is that if the guy if freddy's gonna make the joke great graphics it should be graphic <laughs> you, let me tell you something that i felt with this thing and even freddy going great graphics if it wasn't for freddy versus jason redeeming robert england i really thought at this point robert england's getting old because have you noticed that like in every single death robert england is just sitting there watching the death yes i was very aware of how decrepit he just he was lazy in this movie the the actor himself is not physically moving around here it's like yes i'll deal with it in video games or i'll just drop pins on the ground or scrape my nails but it's a very lethargic freddy krueger we're getting at this time and i mean how old is robert england when he made this i mean in his 50s that's the thing you would think that no he was 42 when this was made my god go to the gym hit the treadmill (laughs) robert seriously we expect a little something you can't just gravel your voice and sing do the freddy and expect (laughs) us to swoon like we used to i don't know the script too he could have phoned it in because maybe he wasn't into it and this is his sixth freddy film in seven years so he might be a little bored plus he did two seasons on the tv show He had been trying to escape the character. I know that he did that god-awful version of Phantom of the Opera. Remember that? Oh, yeah. I saw that in theaters. My father took me thinking it was the musical, and I went because it was Freddy Krueger. Guess which one walked out (laughs) happy? (laughs) 
<laughs> if any of you walked out happy, I'd be surprised. It was a horrible movie. And I think Freddie, or Freddie, I think Robert England really wanted to shake Freddie away from his persona and do anything, something different. The boredom is in the writing. The boredom is in the performance. Let's kill him and get it over with. So Spencer dies. And there's a weird thing with Spencer's death where John and Maggie join Spencer's dream. Which I guess, are we just supposed to assume because that's happened in previous movies that anyone can do that now? It does feel like, okay, they're not going to remember the specifics as why this happens. We'll just do it like we did it before and everyone accepts it. So they try to leave town, but first John must die. I liked it. The one thing that bugged me about this, you guys have always said cartoony. Freddy is Wiley Coyote because he like backs in the pit of spikes and then makes that big pantomime of wiping sweat off his brow. It was a Wiley Coyote moment. The bed of spikes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. I don't mean to say by, by saying I like the death. I don't mean to say that I particularly like the style that it's done. I like the intent that we have been led to believe that this kid is Freddy Krueger's son. And then he thinks that makes him impervious to Freddy. Freddy's not going to kill him. He spared him all of this time. So why would he kill him now well he's gotten what he wanted and he cuts him loose from a parachute and he falls on a bed of spikes grounded as freddie likes to say the joke (laughs) before he dies he tells maggie and tracy that it's a daughter that freddie didn't have a son it's a daughter if we still believed that tracy was a potential candidate that would have been really effective it's kind of like an agatha christie murder mystery and then there was two and which one is it going to be but by this point we've already had a maggie flashback to yeah. Maggie with Robert England before he was burned. They give us one of those flashbacks when she's in the house because they're going through the house and she realizes the Elm Street house is the house where she grew up and has a flashback. Is that the house that Nancy had, though? It doesn't look a thing like it. It is. It is supposed to be the house that Nancy had. And it's the house where Maggie or Catherine Kruger grew up. So that's new information. Isn't that new information? Yes, that is new information. And it appeases in some way, I think, Stuart, your gripe that why does Nancy's house have all this meaning? Well, now you're asking me to believe greater implausibilities with the excuse you've meant to cover up the implausibilities, <laughs> which is that after they burn Freddy Krueger up, the family decided they wanted to live in his pad. Good real estate prices. (laughs) I mean, really? No, I just, you know, let's not go there. It's a dead end street. There's nothing that can be learned there. Is it a heart attack on a one way street? (laughs) It might be. I don't want to find out. So, yes, we, we all know Maggie's the daughter. And then Freddy stows away in Maggie's brain and goes to the unnamed town with the juvenile detention center. And we find out Freddy has altered reality and the people he killed, nobody remembers them except, of course, for Doc. Because Doc's just that cool. He's a dream expert, you know. He used to work at the clinic with Roger Rabbit. Yes. Maybe he did. Maybe he did. And before they closed that down, he (laughs) learned about the dream snakes. I don't know. (laughs) Or maybe those are the people that sold Spencer his dope. (laughs) 
But you, you've knocked yeah, Yafet Kodo. I can't knock the man. He's too cool. He was a Bond villain. He was an alien. I like him. He's not given much to work with here. I don't think he's particularly bad. And he in phones many ways, it in, though. And who wouldn't? But really, I mean, this is... I like him a lot more than I like Maggie, who is the sister of Billy Zane, also a actor of limited means. And I just think, <laughs> God, let's stop this family from acting again. It's just not working here. She's... I don't... Why Why did they cast a, a woman so bland in this part? I agree with you. She's kind of flat throughout the entire time. And Yapet Koto, he's just doing what he wants to do with what he's given. But then again, it's not the kind of role that needs a lot to be done with it. He has gravitas. You know, he has presence. I agree. Nice. Yeah, it's not. It's you. You respond when when someone has that on screen, and even though he's not doing much with it, he still holds your attention. And and, and he has a nice moment with Fred Krueger, where Fred cuts off his fingers and lists all the ways that they've tried to kill him. I do love that scene, and it's a callback yeah. to part one with the cutting off of the fingers and the green blood. Mm-hmm. Of course, they he ne- he fails to mention that they tried to kill him with a mirror and a dream child vomiting on him. But hey, I guess those weren't the best attempts. The problem is he does give Doc a nightmare. Doesn't he haunt teenagers? It's very confusing. Is he just going to kill everybody now? He's, is he going after Doc because Doc's a specific threat? It, it breaks the rule, if not a literal rule, an implied rule of Freddy that he goes after the kids when he starts tormenting the dreams of the adults. How are you going to keep Freddy on the farm after he's seen the town outside Springwood? I mean, once he knows about the real world, I guess you're right. Like Brock said, we're lucky he just didn't go to New York. They didn't have the budget for that (laughs) or even Canada. Yeah, the M.O. is all gone now. I mean, the idea that he's going to annihilate the human race in their dreams, it it seems a little... And then what's he going to do? Yeah, exactly. Overly ambitious and not really well thought out. He didn't kill any of the adults in Springwood. So why is he, if if he could, why didn't he? Uh, he killed the gym teacher. But other than that, I mean, if, when we f- start part six, the adults are all alive. Why are the adults right. alive? Why is he not killing them too if he wants to just kill everybody? He likes to kill kids. I, I understand yeah. that. And, and I also think that it might have something to do with that adults maybe have more control over that sort of thing. They don't really affect you as badly as it did when you were children. But yet, if anybody understands dreams, it's Doc, and Doc is plagued with the nightmare. Okay. I mean, he sleeps with an EEG on for fun. <laughs> <laughs> but, but then Freddy returns to his comfort zone and torments Tracy a little bit. Right. And this right. is the, the scene where we finally realize he isn't her father because we see her real father and of course he is a molester she beats him up until his face is distorted again looney tune style but the only bad makeup effect in this whole movie is that one because it just looks like clay and then freddie gives perhaps his laziest one-liner yet kung fu this bitch which he should have used on rick Right. Uh, or yeah. not used at all. I mean, yeah. Kung Fu this bitch. I mean, wow. That, how, how how long did it take you to come up with that one? And it's not <laughs> even Kung Fu. She's more street fighting. Yeah, she's a kickboxer. I don't know. It's the need to do all of Freddy's hallmarks to say bitch. Uh, I don't know. I don't feel like they needed to do everything, particularly if they weren't going to do it well. And they end the dream with a callback to part one. Tracy burns her arm. Yeah. But you know what? At this point... 
I like Tracy. And you know why? Because she's gone up against Freddy twice and she hasn't died yet. She took away his joystick before he pulled out the power glove and she's faced him when he came under the guise of her abusive father. So I'm wanting her to live at this point. I'm invested in her. I like her. I want her to kick ass and be a part of the climax. She's a terrible actress. I thought she should have died and I just think that she overpopulates the ending. Let me ask you this. If you could have the f- be a, a showdown of one-on-one, wouldn't you have much rather seen it with Tracy versus Freddy as opposed to Maggie versus Freddy? Absolutely, because they established Tracy has something going for her against Freddy, whereas Maggie's just the bland character, the bland lead character in the movie. Absolutely. Really, Tracy's our Nancy here. She's a bad actress, but she survives multiple dreams. She burns her arms, and you expect her to be in the showdown. But we don't ever really get a one-on-one. It ends up with a three-on-one. Maggie starts off going into Freddy's dream because Doc ripped part of Freddy's sweater. I don't I, – I couldn't figure out why he did it. He was just pissed at Freddy and decides I'm going to tear your shirt, bitch, and – wakes up with part of the sweater in his hand and realizes we can pull Freddy out of the dream again, just like they did in part one. Mm-hmm. So, so mm-hmm. they send Maggie into the dream to get Freddy out, just like Nancy did in part one. Now, I think part one did this a lot better. And that's saying something. I, I liked Nancy on the hunt for Freddy back then, but part six has a different motive here. Now we're going to go and see Freddy's memory and get the life and times of Frederick J. Kruger. I don't know if Jay's really his middle initial, but still. Can you walk <laughs> me through something, Arnie, real slow? Real slow. <laughs> okay. I know that they made this portion a 3D experience in Freddy Vision. And that they needed to give the audience a visual clue that it was time to put on their glasses. But here's my point. What explanation does Yafet Koto give for why these glasses are necessary in the story? Because they'll allow her to see through Freddy's deceptions. Because in the dream, those glasses are whatever she wants them to be. Whereas in real life, they're just a pair of cheesy 3D glasses that Doc has around. Okay, And they're bestowed with that power because he tells her that? He says, in the dream, these are whatever you want them to be. He's training her to be a dream warrior. Okay, so she could have gotten a periscope or anything, and it would have worked. Safety goggles, a snorkel, it all would have been fine. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> or all of those things that you write. Yeah, I feel her. bad for these kids. Like, the original Dream Warriors had real cool powers and could do things, and these people got to put on 3D glasses and be like, I'm cool. <laughs> I can see your deception. That's your power. (laughs) (laughs) But they didn't keep it on her face the entire scene. Thank God, because I do not want to see a scene featuring 3D from Back to the Future. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I don't need to see that either. I thought that was a really nice choice. Now, you guys didn't watch this in 3D. I did. This isn't cool Avatar 3D, folks. This is, (laughs) you know, a step above Friday the 13th 3D with all of the tricks and trappings. And, you know, as a kid and a freddy fan i was so perturbed because it was in 3d and they'd not recreate that on home video that i actually called an executive at new line trying to buy the original print i remember you doing that you literally thought that like if they had even allowed you to do that and thank god they don't allow you to do that (laughs) how would you have screened it you would have had to buy a movie theater (laughs) (laughs) my uh my rationale back then was I could afford the projector later. I need to get the film now. 
and I was talking to an executive at New Line who's like, we don't sell those. We don't even give those to the stars. I'm like, really? Arnold Schwarzenegger couldn't get one? Well, maybe Arnold because he has the negotiating power, but most people do never get these. We make the theaters send them back. You should have shown up in your hat and mask and then she would be singing a different song. <laughs> Fortunately, they did put it out in 3D on Laserdisc, which caused me to rent a Laserdisc player so I could then dub it to VHS. So wait a second. You are willing to buy a copy of the film but not a Laserdisc player? <laughs> 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 Welcome to the twisted mind of Arnie. I feel like I'm not in Freddy's head right now. I'm navigating Arnie's. All right, well, let's go back to Freddy's mind. All right. We start with Freddy as a little kid torturing animals. And the kids are chanting, son of a hundred maniacs, son of a hundred maniacs. I- I'm hoping this is actually how Freddy remembers his childhood. And they did not, in fact, go, class, this is our new student, Frederick Krueger. He was the child from the big rape you heard about in the news. <laughs> I'm not really sure if these scenes are an uh, attempt to make him sympathetic. I'm not really sure that you can really explain why someone becomes Freddy Krueger. And certainly it's very hard to do in 3D flashbacks. But it's a weird moment that I guess, yes, it recreates the moments as he thinks of them, not as how they actually transpired. And I think they're not here to make him sympathetic. I think they're here just to... exposition for us the audience we want to know we've seen freddy for six movies we want to know where he came from beyond the rape i'm gonna maybe go on a limb here and say i don't need to see all these things about freddy him being a child of rape i i can assume he did not have the easiest childhood and therefore the man who turned into a child killer had a sordid background i don't need to see all this stuff I, i don't hate these scenes being there but it's not something i needed to know Maybe the new remake will actually cover this in the beginning like the remake of Halloween did, right? Maybe they'll do it that way. But here I felt eh, it's not needed or it's not horrible. It's just not what I want at this point in the movie either. But It doesn't tell you as much as it thinks it does. That's for sure. I mean, I don't feel like there's anything that's shown explicitly that wasn't inferred in all of the other movies. I mean, okay, he tortured animals and he had a uh, sadomasochistic relationship between pain and pleasure. Duh. The man put knives on his hands and slaughtered children. I mean, it's not really a big reveal here. And more to the point, I'm just a little bit uncomfortable by their implying of the fact that because he came from criminal minds, because the seed was from people that were incarcerated, that means that he was genetically disposed to be this horrible, awful person. I mean, I think that that's... Mental illness can be genetic. That has been proven, though. So, I mean, it's not that far of a stretch. You know, is it nature or is it nurture? If you look at Alice Cooper, Freddy's stepfather, nurture didn't help too much either. But I do love Alice Cooper's cameo. I was a Cooper fan back then. I had his CDs, and I like seeing him in the movie as Freddy's stepdad. We have this scene at the end of the movie about how he became Freddy Krueger. But the rest of the time in this movie, he's been a cartoon caricature, not scary, not that evil compared to how he was earlier. He's evil. He wants to kill people and hurt people. But he's basically a big old cartoon character cracking bad jokes and not really scary and or haunting at all. 
So why in this movie are they doing all of these scenes now when you have a cartoony Freddy for the rest for the previous parts of the movie? Because Rachel Talele is not a very good director, and because <laughs> she does not know how to mix the absurd with the horrific with the pathology. I mean, a talented director could hit all of these bases and make the parts feel the way they should in each individual moment that they could go back and we could see young Freddie and his tortured pain and maybe empathize or at least understand and still have him make Nintendo jokes. But she just doesn't have that skill and everything is just played on a cartoon level. I do appreciate that they tried to do it. it. This was again, I think we're all in the agreement. This was to be the putting to bed of Freddie. Mm-hmm. And it's I like that they tried to give this to the fans to show to answer the questions that had been had. But does it work? Not not really. And especially not in 3D. And the 3D washes everything out. It kind of ruins the color. It invites the gimmicks of sticking things out into the face of the audience. And I think with 3D, you could have made a really exciting 3D sequence Watching these scenes, the 3D is not put to its best effect here. Mm -hmm. But 3D was not in vogue in 91. In fact, I think the reason this one did so well is you couldn't go see a 3D movie every other week. You know, it was a rarity to see something in 3D. And this was really the last one until, what was it, Spy Kids 3D maybe? Mm-hmm. You well, might Disney be right World. there. Yeah, Disney World and theme parks like Six Flags. I'm not Flags. counting Captain EO here. I'm talking no, well, about in theaters. Yeah. It was an obvious gimmick. They just they wanted to do something special for Freddy's send-off. What could they do? They decided to go 3D. Eh, it didn't work for me. Uh, I can say that watching it now and having these extended scenes with her looking at her fingers and moving her hands around, it you know slows the pace down, to put it mildly. Yeah, I mean, it looks good. There are times when it looks good. I mean, again, this isn't Avatar, folks, but it looks, you know, it's kind of cool in a gimmicky way. There were some Nintendo games around this time, too, that had some 3D. You had to put on the red and green goggles, and it had about the same level of effect, but... Yeah, it just it slows down. It takes away from these scenes, which really should be <laughs> the characters need to be three dimensional, not the vivid imagery. Mm, well said. So the third part of the Freddy flashback is we get to see him married with children. Perhaps the biggest sticking point in their whole backstory of Freddy and what they're supposedly relating as to how he became who he is, is the idea that we're supposed to swallow that after he was conceived in this gang rape in an insane asylum and grew up killing animals and being a pariah and cutting himself, he somehow pulled it together enough to wear golf shirts, live in suburbia, and have a wife and child. A daughter who, if he's impelled to kill children... He never targets himself. It would seem like it would be the first victim of his abuse, and he never goes Well, there. you've seen the movie Happiness. I, I have, <laughs> and uh, yeah, well, that's not to bring that in. It, again, is another example of how, in their efforts to tell us everything, they've actually unraveled more than they have sewn together. Well, you know, I'm surprised, yes, he could find a woman... I'm glad we get to see his wife because now we finally know that Loretta Kruger is the one who sewed the name in his hat. (laughs) (laughs) But what a forgiving woman because we see teenage Freddy already has all kinds of scars on his chest from self-mutilation. She's able to get past that. 
Yeah, she's willing to to buy into so much of this. She's even telling him, I'm not going to tell anyone after she's walked through his little torture bin. And he doesn't just have one glove. He has like a whole Iron Maiden kind of uh, costumery here. I mean, he could really play in a heavy metal band with all that gear he has in the basement. Which made a lot of sense to me. I thought that was interesting. I hated that. I hated it so much. I don't mind that he had a torture dungeon. What I hated were that there was more than one glove because the glove is such an icon to make it one of many lessened the impact for me. I completely understand where you're coming from in that. I do. I really do. But it makes sense that he has more than one glove because it would be okay if it were if the other ones were prototypes. Yeah, exactly. And then he finally developed the the perfect glove. Yes. But I mean, these things were like the designs on them were outrageously different from one another. I mean, it really felt that they were a, a glove for any occasion. I'm going to the ball. I'll put on this one. <laughs> I'm going to the club. Definitely this one. Here's the thing: they needed to spend more time on this if they really were serious about telling us. Freddy's origins. They need to do what they do with a lot of origin stories now. Walk us through the whole history of it. The fact that it's happening in a 3D flashback it's never going to be satisfying and I'm not sure they could ever explain why he would have a wife and daughter but it's really not working for me here. So they pull Freddy back in the real world. Except he still has the powers of the dream and the fact that he has a material physicality is all for naught. It's it's very unsatisfying. It's still in 3D, am I right? Like, yeah, the whole ending is in 3D. Doesn't he say, yeah, I forgot how it feels to be human, and then he fixes his hand that was crumpled? Yes, yes. and climbs on the ceiling, and all of these other things. It's it's uh, If you bring Freddy into the real world, please make him ha- obey the laws of reality. Right. Yeah, he can change from his human face to his burned face. I went with the fingers. I took it that the fingers were broken, but he'd already said the trick with pain is to stop feeling it. And so, and he said he forgot how much it hurts to be human, but then I think he got back in that mindset of ignore the pain, but the walking on the ceiling and the metamorphosizing of his body. Yeah, that was, it made me wonder the same thing. Stuart, how, wh- where, what the fuck is his limit? If he's in the real world now yeah. and more to the point, if this is Freddie's ultimate end why wasn't it something new i mean holy water for christ's sake was more of a happy ending because we hadn't seen it before here this happened in one they already brought him out they already burned him alive in the real world in part one and in part two how is this going to be the death of freddy i don't buy it i don't buy that this would be closure for freddy well, here's the one thing. It's the poetic idea that he's killed with the device of his own making. That's the irony that they're trying to sell us. That she, after all the biting his nose and doing all the... all the, yeah. She's throwing Chinese stars at one point. She's an expert marksman all of a sudden. But she finally pins him down with knives and takes his glove and sticks him with it. And that's the poetry of the moment, is that he's finally been killed by his very device of, of, of murder. Didn't Nancy stab him with his own glove in part three? I think she did. Oh, I forgot that. <laughs> yeah. It's all been done. Yeah, he, yeah he, well, I don't know how you would have ended this satisfyingly. And, of course, that's not even the death. They get the pipe bomb back in and blow him up in a very poor effect. Usually I don't carp on the effects, but... Man, what a shitty effect when his head exploded <laughs> and the worms fly at the screen and going, oh, no. 
It looked good in 3D. That's the thing. Is it looked good in 3D. It did not look like a shitty cheap effect in 3D the way it did in 2D. And it was oh, probably a quarter of their budget. It was awful. It was awful. But now it's gotten to what I what I mentioned before. It's revealed the fact that Freddy is dead. You know, she takes off the glasses. Freddy, she smiles at the camera. Freddy is dead. It's all over for Freddy, for Robert England. But the worms are still alive. The evil that made him do all the things that he did are still around and could go fly into somebody else's head. And they could pick up the series and go with somebody new. Hell, they could even have her it be her be the new killer and, and change the gen- I would have liked Doc. I think, yeah, Fagoto could have been a good villain. No, yeah, he's got a scary pre- presence. He could definitely be menacing if he wanted to. Not that I'm advocating that they go this route, but I really do think that it was the death of Freddy. I think that was the intent. And more to the point, we haven't mentioned the fact Rachel Chalele, I think briefly we mentioned the fact that she's worked on all of these movies. She's been as much a part of the nightmare experience as Robert England has. This was her way by directing it, by ending it with a female triumphing over him. I think this is her personal touch of saying goodbye to the series as well. I don't think she worked on the future movies and I think it was her way of, of putting it to rest. It's the end of Rachel to Lele. It's not the end of Freddy. Now, I have to say though, Freddy is the king of one-liners, right? I would have thought he'd have a great last line. Instead, he just looks right at the camera and goes kids. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to correct you here. I don't think he's the king of one-liners. Mm. He might be the prince or the jester, but he's certainly not the king. With the ones in this movie especially, if he was the king at some point, the king is dead. Uh, the, <laughs> the, 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 the kid's line was lame. I, I completely agree, though, that it was a really bad line to go out on. They couldn't think <laughs> of something else, and the way they did it, oh, yeah, the kid's line was just a, gro- a huge groaner. The wit that we have loved so much – They've tried to bring it back. They God did they try, but they dropped the comedy bar too low. And so Freddy's dead and the series captain. I you know, for all my griping about this movie, I've got been right down in there with the dirt with you guys, but I'm like, wow, this movie went fast. I checked, it's only eighty-four minutes at this point. And should have been shorter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, seriously, I, they needed to cut out some of that junk in the beginning. I think it was really a shame that they spoiled their own mysteries by telling us too much at the start. But I kind of like the final thing because we still have like five more minutes of movie. I don't know if you guys watched the credits. I was mm-hmm. about to say I did. I was expecting a last scare at the end of the credits. And so I watched the entire thing watching the greatest hits of all the movies. I love that. I love that it is Freddy's greatest hits in there and it's just to a original Iggy Pop song all about Freddy and all of these great scenes from his entire oeuvre actually did enjoy it and it ended on that great shot of Freddy it's a great bow on the series there's another movie I have no idea what's going to happen next time so maybe I'm jumping the gun here but <laughs> I, I, never... I don't either Brock and I've seen it I, don't, <laughs> I cannot wait to see the next experience I'll, I won't spoil it for you Brock Thank but you. I will tell you this I had no idea where they could go to next and they went in a place that was unimaginable uh, great but I was watching this and she says Freddy's dead and I'm like well there's another movie after this there's, well he, he is dead Brock he is dead <laughs> he is dead so get ready for it so arnie stewart do you recommend 
Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Stuart. All right. I'm not crazy about this one. And I have no nostalgia. As I've already stated, I had no nostalgia for this movie. It's not a part of my childhood. Freddy was already dead to me. And when I saw it with you, Arnie, in the marathon, coming after, what, 12 hours of Freddy? <laughs> I thought this was the worst one they had made. I was like, this is the absolute lowest blah, blah, blah. You were tired and grumpy. I was tired and grumpy. I, this is a step up from four and five, in my impression. It's not very good. I can only give it a passing grade in the sense that it is a vast improvement over the last one. And I, and I feel like a, a better entry than part four, mostly because they were keeping in spirit, in tone, or trying to, with part three. So my answer is, you could have stopped and been very, very happy at part three, but if you need to go on, if you just have a Freddy fix that you can't control, then this one is one to watch. Interesting. Arnie. Going into this, the last time I think I saw it was with Stuart all those years ago, too, in the marathon. And coming into it, my memory, I didn't think I'd recommend this one. My memory of it was a lot of what we talked about here, which is Freddy's terrible antics like the Wicked Witch of the West and Wile E. Coyote. And yes, Freddy's jokes here are lamer than ever. But watching it is an enjoyable experience, and I hope that came through in my review. I liked the kids. I liked the effects. I thought the effects here were the best they've ever been. The makeup is great. All of the kills are at least unique. Freddy's a little lazy in them. But even with repeated viewings, I have fun watching this movie. Is it the best of the series? Not by a long shot. But, you know, we kind of have this binary rating system here at Now Playing, and if we got to go that, I'm easily on the side of recommend. Yeah. I'm going to be the lone person to say no. I'm judging all these nightmare movies. I've, did I enjoy watching these movies? And the problem with this movie for me is simple. It's not so bad that you can't believe what you're watching and it's so much fun to watch. But it's not so good that you got to keep watching. And it's not one of those bad movies like it almost has it. It's almost there. Like, say, number two that had a lot of interesting ideas for me that I got into the movie more. This one seemed to miss the marks. I wanted to enjoy watching this movie, but I couldn't. I could not enjoy it. And it wasn't that I hated it. It just was I saw so much here that could have been great. And the choices the movie made, I disagreed with one after another after another. So, no, I'm not going to recommend this one. And I can see why you both liked it enough mm. to recommend, but I just I can't do it. I'm really curious to know what you're going to think of the next one, because if you thought <laughs> this one wasn't fun, the next one is, well, off it's the unlike, rails. Off All right. The well, rails? Don't say anything more. I, I am now really looking forward to it because I actually assumed that Freddy was going to be back, that he wasn't really dead. And so I learned something while recording this with you guys. I, I keep myself as spoiler free as possible on these. And so we'll see. All right. So let's, let's get us some tunes here. It's another original Freddy hit, I'm pretty sure. If it's a remake, it's a song I didn't know. Okay. It's called Obsession. Sadly, not the Animotion song Obsession that I absolutely <laughs> love. But again, well, I did love that one, too. That he had big bass in it. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think this is Freddy's original Obsession. Hmm. By Calvin Klein. Yes! <laughs> Nowhere to run. Something evil came my way. I don't know just how. 
You know, this actually sounds like a song that would be on one of the early soundtracks. Yeah. It's up there with It's a Nightmare, It's Just a Dream Dream. Yeah. Ugh. It's not as good, though, as Tuesday Night's song. It's not even close to that good. <laughs> really? I feel like Tuesday probably is envious right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the seventh or eighth song on the Flashdance soundtrack, like buried down deep in the B-side of this of the album to try to fill out the rest of the album. You're right. It reminds me a lot of some of the B-tracks on St. Elmo's Fire, to be honest. There you go. Mm-hmm. same singer from the other stuff? I don't know. I'm thinking it's all the same girl. Like it could pay too. <laughs> her backup singers are actually her. Right. I actually think it is, yes. Who's obsessed now? This is what I can't obsess. She's obsessed with Freddie or Freddie's obsessed with her? This obsession that you have with me. So Freddie's obsessed with her? Okay. Assuming she's singing to Freddie. I think right. so. Why else would he laugh? <laughs> Freddie Sylvain, he probably thinks this song is about him. <laughs> nice. I'm going to warn you now, this one gets stuck in your head. I, I find this one a little bit better than Don't Sleep. So, judged on that scale, well, I guess it's kind of like the review of Part 6. Uh, when compared to the last couple of songs we've heard, yeah, I like it a little bit better. But did I think it was good? No. No, I don't think it's good either. But on the other hand, I don't think I think it's a better song if Freddie wasn't in it at all. Yeah, and, I bet you it was somebody's real song lying around that they were like, okay, we got this. I don't know. I think having the ominous Freddy voice kind of adds a little to it. It adds a little Freddy to it. <laughs> yeah, you know, they sold Robert England as sort of, I've said it before, about Barry White, you know, the deep voice. Like, there's something sexy about a man with a deep voice, and that's supposed to get you in the mood just hearing him coo anything to you. Except he's a burned child mur- murderer who's <laughs> yes. whispering threats to you. It's it's a strange come on, but I, I get the appeal. Hey, some women like the bad boys. Sure. <laughs> yeah, she says she can't get away, but she's hanging out in the studio with him. Again, I feel like Miami Vice could have been, you know, you could see Crockett and Tubbs. Yeah, kind of a driving montage at yeah, night. Yeah, driving montage. I'm picturing her in some kind of Corvette. In a room with a lot of billowing curtains. (laughs) That's the perfume ad again. Perfect visual. You know what I mean? Like she's all in white. There's a figure walking past the window. The figure being Freddy. You know, I think you're onto something there, Stuart. Yeah, like a tiger walks by a white tiger. (laughs) Star filter everywhere. (laughs) Glitter, smoke. I could make this video, damn it. But it's not very scary. <laughs> so if you enjoyed this show, please go to our homepage at www.nowplayingpodcast.com and download the other shows in this series. And also go to our archive section where you can find other retrospective series that we have recorded. We have Friday the 13th, Halloween, Saw, Star Trek, Terminator, a whole bunch more. You can find all of those in our archive section. 
You can go to our forums, a link there, to talk about this movie and the other movies in this series with fans like yourself. And if you like the show, please leave a message for us on iTunes. A positive review would be nice. And you can go to Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Pretty much any social avenue of choice, we're there. All of the links can be found at nowplayingpodcast.com, as always. So, Stuart and Arnie, thank you for joining me for this one. It was an experience, and I'm looking forward to seeing what the new nightmare brings. Brock, I'm looking forward to your reaction to new nightmare more than I am to the movie itself. Well, we'll find out. And whatever you do, don't fall asleep. It's over. I gotta go now. It's okay. It's all over. Now, no one sleeps. Thank you for listening to our Nightmare on Elm Street retrospective. But there's so much more to learn. Keep coming to NowPlayingPodcast.com every week to get the latest episode. Oh, yeah. Great to be back in business. And while at NowPlayingPodcast.com, stop by our forums to post your thoughts on this series. You can also find us on Twitter as NowPlayingPod or our NowPlayingPodcast fan page on Facebook. Tell them Freddy sent you. Links to the forums, Facebook, and Twitter pages can be found at NowPlayingPodcast.com. Next time, don't, don't stay away so long. A Nightmare on Elm Street is copyright and trademarked New Line Cinema and Warner Brothers Entertainment. You can do, God, what it takes. <laughs> now playing is not affiliated with New Line Cinema, Warner Brothers Entertainment, or Platinum Dunes. I am eternal. Now playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2010, all rights reserved. Why don't we start with a plot summary and then get right into the movie? Arnie? Okay. Let me get back in my comfort zone now. <laughs> Take off the mask and give us a summary. <laughs> I'm not talking like this to the small people. <laughs> but Friday the 13th Part 9 was Jason X, right? No. Jason X was Jason 10, hence the X Roman ah, numerals. Okay. Jason 9 was Jason uh, goes to Eating hell. the heart. People eating the heart. Oh, yeah, that one was no fun to watch. And the little fetus. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, forget it. And the yep. bounty hunter. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay. We could do a whole podcast on yes. it. Oh, wait, we did. We did. <laughs> All right.